Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're talking with uh, retired Major Randy Allen, who has written a book called Season 5, and the, the book is about the survivors, the eight survivors who survived, eight out of 32 men, who did a mission into North Vietnam behind enemy lines to rescue POWs. So can you, can you tell us, tell us what was the plan? How, what was the plan supposed to work like? You jump out of the, you do the halo jump with all this equipment, I assume into an area where there weren't a whole bunch of people to watch you come down from the sky. Uh, what was the plan? Well, the plan was basically we, we would jump, and then we would rendezvous, and then we would move in four elements uh, to surround the facility. The facility had traditionally been very lightly guarded. Uh, we, we were thinking we could go in there with 32 men and probably have a two-to-one firepower edge over the people who were in there. And quite honestly, we, we anticipated going in and taking them out with no casualties to either side. Uh, and and the, the guys who were doing the actual extraction uh, had practiced for several weeks uh, methods of, of getting those guys out and, and of taking out the uh, personnel who were around there without uh, lethal force. Uh, you know, it, it was just a a thing that we hoped we could pull off without having to to do tremendous bodily harm to anybody. I mean, it was going to be uncomfortable for them, but but we didn't think it would be fatal. So, this is kind of uh, an interesting concept for me. You have a way station, and uh, the North Vietnamese were transferring American. POWs, uh, six to eight of them, on a route that go went from wherever they were captured up toward Hanoi, presumably to the Hanoi Hilton. And the plan from the American military was they were going to appear there, and somehow they were going to get the Vietnam, the North Vietnamese, to release these prisoners without anyone being hurt. Uh, does that sound strange to you? Well, it does, but, you know, we, ha we had munitions that could do these things. We had flashbang grenades that would stun somebody, and, and we could 
uh, kind of put them to sleep for a while and uh, do our business and depart the area. It's kind of interesting. I mean, why would that be an issue? We were at war, uh, not a declared war, I understand, but nevertheless, there were there certainly were bullets flying and in other places uh, all around. So why would you have expected to be able to go in there in a non-lethal way, grab six to eight POWs and just uh, uh, depart the scene and get to a uh, submarine and, and leave? Well, that was our hope. That was our fondest hope. But, it, I mean, it was not the only actuality that we prepared for. We, we were prepared to, to take lethal action. And as, as it turned out, it became necessary. And uh, due, due to what I think was our plan being sold out, uh, the actual numbers of people we saw on the ground were, were greatly exceeded what had been there the day before. So why don't you go ahead and just tell us what happened. You come down through the air... Uh, you guys all land on the ground. Why don't you take us through, step by step, what happened after that? And by okay. the way, uh, I am talking with retired Major Randy Allen, who has written a book called Season 5, and it is a book about a long-range patrol inside North Vietnam during the Vietnam War that was designed to free some prisoners of war of ours, free them and bring them back to, uh, to safety. So uh, they have done a halo jump. They had about 32 men, vehicles and equipment in a halo jump into North Vietnam. Randy Allen, what happened when you hit the ground? What happened from that point out? Well, Dr. Dan, we, we were actually very successful in the halo jump. We sustained no casualties at that point in time, which is in and of itself to do a night halo jump with no casualties is, is a, a pretty neat feat. Uh, we, we reached our rendezvous point, uh, and we hit the, the start point at the time we had projected that we would be able to, and the four teams split up and, and went about their missions to, to basically surround the facility and move into it. And they were within 100 yards of the facility when, when we realized that we had more company in there than, than we had planned for. Uh, the leader of the team, who was a major, Major Stidham, had left us with instructions for the four vehicles to hold those vehicles back at the rear until he specifically called for them. And because of that, the four of us were left behind. And I've often wondered if we were left behind because we didn't have full confidence in our ability to, to function with them or if it was that that was where we really were needed the most. And I guess I'll go to my grave wondering the answer to that question. Uh, but it gave us 
kind of a ringside seat to see the, the opening up of, of the, the fire upon those men and, and the fact that there were additional enemy forces brought into play from the rear and also from, from within the facility where, where there should have only been about seven or eight enemy personnel based on the, the staffing levels we had observed through our intelligence photos we had gotten from earlier flights. And, of course, that firepower that they brought to bear on us was, was extremely heavy. And uh, within, a, within 15 minutes, uh, we, we had eight people surviving, and, and we had been able to extract four people from the, the teams that had gone in and, and began to pull back and get away from the area. But uh, with, with heavy, heavy loss of, of our people and a lot of, of really good men left behind. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum will return right after a quick break. So you actually, it was almost like running into an ambush, wouldn't you think? Yes, sir. So they, either they expected you or for some unknown reason, there were a lot more enemy combatants in place than you had expected. Is that, would that kind of sum it up? Yes, sir. And uh, one thing that we were not really aware of at our level, um, you know, I know there were two days after we went in, there was a mission that went into Sante to try to rescue POWs there. And I have heard it conjectured that we were a diversionary tactic to try to pull troops away from there to make it easier for those guys to do their job. And by the way, they didn't get any POWs out either. <laughs> so you sustained heavy casualties, okay. You lost when I assume there were Americans who died there? Yes, sir. Uh, and were wounded? Well... Uh, any that were wounded were pretty quickly taken care of by a North Vietnamese officer who went around and took care of them. So, unfortunately, how many men died during the raid? Twenty-four. All right. So you went in with 32 uh, and uh, 24 were killed. So that means there were eight surviving. Four and four of them were, four of the eight were you four. And we were basically rookies. Right. So there you were behind enemy lines. The bulk of the men that you went in there with were dead. What did you do? Well, when we got far enough away from the action that we felt like we could stop and and gather our thoughts. We we did just that. We we stopped and uh, concealed ourselves as best we could, and we still had the four vehicles. 
but we knew if we started those vehicles up and, and went in any direction, as many NVA as there were in the area, that would be a dead giveaway. So we came up with a plan that uh, we would we would activate the radios in the four vehicles and give the NVA a chance to destroy those vehicles. And and hopefully they would think they got us too. And that would, would buy us a little bit of time to help us get ahead of them. And basically we decided that we would try to negotiate the Ho Chi Minh Trail just as their troops did and try to avoid detection as we did so and move to join our forces in South Vietnam eventually. Well, how far in, you were about, what, eight to ten miles inland at that point? Yes, sir. And what direction did you go? Well, we headed south by east, uh, and and we were fortunate we had two guys who had survived who, who were Vietnam vets who had already done a full tour in Vietnam. And, and they had a good sense of the lay of the land and, uh, and, and where we needed to go. And, and they were providing the, the leadership at that point. Uh, and one of those guys, when we had our first come to Jesus meeting, if you will, uh, his reaction was, well, we're only 19 miles from Hanoi and Jane Fonda's in Hanoi. Let's go up there and assassinate her. (laughs) And, you know, the rest of the team, not not just the young guys, but the rest of the team all said, now, wait a minute, we... You know, we're going to stand out like a sore thumb walking down the streets of Hanover trying to ask somebody, where's Jane Fonda? <laughs> so we decided we'd go the other direction. And and so therein, we embarked on about a seven-week trip back down the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Uh, and, and that is the gist of a, of a whole lot of the book is... Uh, the, the things that happened to us along the trail and, and the challenges we were met with. Well, we're talking with uh, retired Major Randy Allen, who has written a book called Season 5. and the, the book is about the survivors, the eight survivors who survived, eight out of 32 men, who did a mission into North Vietnam behind enemy lines to rescue POWs who ran into a really bad ambush, uh, 24 out of the 32 men were were killed. And so the eight survivors were left behind enemy lines in North Vietnam to make their way back south into the safety of South Vietnam. Why don't you tell us, uh, Major Allen, tell us some of the things you ran into on your seven-week journey back to safety. What kind of what kind of uh, problems did you run into, and what kind of leadership did it take to be able to survive? Well, one of the first things we ran into was there were there were of course 
NVA units using the, the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And one misconception that a lot of people have is that the Ho Chi Minh Trail was just one route that led from North Vietnam around either through Cambodia and Laos or uh, even directly into South Vietnam, or it really wasn't that. The Ho Chi Minh Trail was maybe 50 miles wide at some places, and there were multiple routes of, of use for the, the NVA troops to use as they went down the trail. <clears throat> but we would occasionally come into contact with a unit and uh, we might have to sit for two or three days right where we were because we couldn't move in the daytime. And if there were units moving around us at night, we couldn't move until we were sure we weren't going to be detected by them. And one particular evening, we were moving, and as, as it grew close to morning, we noticed that the troops were just disappearing. And I, the, the people we were watching were just disappearing. And we, we got to looking, and in the side of a mountain, we found a, an entry point. And apparently there was a large cave in there. And as we watched, there was another unit coming north up the trail who had apparently been relieved of their duties in South Vietnam and were headed into back home and these guys were all carrying five gallon cans uh, that were cans like the United States Army used to carry gasoline in and as they, they went into the side of this mountain they were carrying the cans in with them and so uh, the sergeant who was in charge of us suggested, that, well he didn't suggest he ordered me and another fellow to, to go up the side of the hill and try to find a, a vent hole. And as we as we moved around, we we detected the odor of gasoline. And so we knew we were close. We, we found the vent hole. And he had instructed us when we found it to, to pop a grenade down into the hole. And when we did, I looked over at him and I said, uh, do you think we ought to run? <laughs> and he said, well, we can't go far, so we, we probably got about 25 yards up the hill before the, the grenade went off. And when it went off, nothing much happened. At first, it was just a muffled boom, you know. And then the concussion of that grenade caught all that gasoline underground and exploded it, and it blew the side off that mountain. And it picked us up and threw us up the mountain about 40 yards. And how we managed to survive that, I don't know. But uh, that was probably the, the time when I thought I was closest to death that I would ever be was when I was going through the air uh, and looking, you know, where am I going to hit? <laughs> so you... Fully conscious, but, but really wondering... You know, how is this going to end? Well, I could see that would have been a kind of a surprise. 
Uh, but it would, should have been kind of expected as well with all that gasoline in that cave underground. And I'm sure that's what the desired effect was because you probably elimin- eliminated a number of enemy soldiers uh, that way. Well, we not only eliminated a number of enemy soldiers, but we also eliminated a, a large uh, cache of black market gasoline and uh, stuff that had been stolen from, from U.S. troops in South Vietnam and was being brought back to sustain the economy of North Vietnam. So I'm sure we put a hole into some of that that day. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning.